Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined all the way from America by Mr. Stacy Mitchart. Stacy, are you well? I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm doing real good. Well, well uh, I saw you a couple of weeks ago over in Nashville at the Bourbon Street Boogie and Blues Bar. A wonderful night. You, you have a beaming smile all the way through your performance, so you're obviously enjoying it. Yeah, it just it it makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, it always has, and uh, I I tell people that's probably the the best hours of my day, guaranteed every year or every you know every day. Yeah. Well, let's give people a bit of a, an insight into who you are. You grew up listening to jazz artists like Wes Montgomery and Johnny Smith. Is that the kind oh, yeah. of stuff your your father was listening to? Yeah, exactly. It's my dad's records. You know, I think. <laughs> We, we all hear what's being played in the house. And um, so he listened to to that. And then they also had, you know, my mother had Eddie Arnold and Perry Como and stuff like that. But then uh, my dad had, it wasn't just jazz. He, he had a lot of big band stuff. And, you know, he'd like the Ink Spots and Glenn Miller and, and the Mills Brothers and stuff like that. Well, then you started to learn to play guitar. Did you have intentions then to be in the band, or was it just something that you wanted to do as a hobby? Um, I mean, I was nine years old when I started. So, you know, I don't really think at nine years old you're thinking too far ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it was, it was raining that day, and, and we, couldn't, we couldn't play basketball or football. So, so we were looking, uh, a friend and I were looking for a movie to see, and there was an ad in the paper that said, learn to play guitar. And so we said, well, let's go ask our moms, you know? <laughs> and so, so once uh, we asked, and, and I'm sure my parents thought this was just another another phase or thing that I would do, and a month later it would be different, but I just I just locked on to it. I really, really liked it. And soon you became so proficient that you actually taught your father to play guitar. Yeah, yeah. He, um, that was our deal at the, at the end of the first year. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to continue to take lessons and you know they had rented me a guitar they didn't buy me one and uh he said if i wanted to continue he'd buy me a guitar and and pay for my lessons under one condition and i i figured to myself i said well i'm probably going to have to get a's in school or something like that and, and uh, he said no you have to teach me how to play so i said okay and uh I mean, my dad was a smart guy best way to learn something is to learn it well enough to teach it to somebody else you know <laughs> When you were learning, what were you playing? Was it jazz standards you were playing, or was it uh, tunes from the charts? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I was, I was. Well, the first things, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little stars like that. You know, as you, as you first start learning to play, and then you know, nine, ten years old, you're listening to the radio. You're, you know, I'm, I'm asking, can I, you know, can I learn whatever, whatever songs were popular, and so uh, the teacher would. You know, I, I would learn those songs and play along with them. And, and then after a couple of years, I got a different teacher that was a little, he was a little more jazzy and uh, jazz and soul. And he was the one that, that kind of got me focused on learning, not just learning the song for, you know, writing the chords out or anything like that, but listening to it and figuring it out from what you hear, you know, learning it by ear. And, and then we'd also, 
you know, write some things down. So um, he, he was a great teacher. Both, both of my teachers were really good. I was lucky. Normally, I would ask somebody what it was that turned them on to the blues, but during the course of the research, I see that it's Bobby Blueland and B.B. King. You saw them, and it was like a revelation for you. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'd heard some blues. Um, the guys that I started playing with when I was 13, um, we had to, there were two songs we had to learn. Uh, we had to learn Oh Happy Days, uh, by Edwin Hawkins group, the, the gospel tune, because their dad was a, a preacher. And for their mom, we had to learn Thrill is Going. And um, so we were also his band for church. <laughs> <laughs> so they took us to see uh, Bobby, you know, Bobby Boy and B.B. King. And, and it was a wow, you know, what a show. And uh, that just kind of, we, we snuck backstage and got to meet B.B. King and he gave me a guitar pick and, and uh, it was just, it was wonderful. And and so it just kind of went from there. But we, we were playing all the stuff that was on the radio. We were playing, you know, songs about war and Marvin Gaye and, and uh, Chicago and, you know, whatever else was, whatever was on the on the radio. It's stated in the uh, information that you, you don't copy anyone. You don't copy their styles, but you're more influenced by their sound or their tone, particularly people like Albert King and Albert Collins. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, yeah, it, any musician, you're going to steal a little bit from. I mean, I think the idea is you, you know, you steal a little bit of this from this guy and a little from this from this guy and this from this person, and then you know, you take all of that, put it together, and develop your own sound. Um, but you know, I do, I do listen, not so much of, of play that lick exactly like, but to kind of get that that feeling or that tone. I mean, you know, Albert Collins did that real biting tone you know he had a telecaster and he had fender amps you know cranked all the way up and and albert king you know had a real stinging sound he used to use like a, acoustic amps which were solid state and so it had a little different different tone you know in his flying v and then of course bb king had a tone all his own that uh you know the second you hear one note you know it's it's bb yeah. you know and so to me it's it's uh finding a way so that you know people know it's you when they hear you play yeah you mentioned your tutors earlier on. Where does Frank Hedges fit on the timeline? Well, that that was my my friend's dad, and um, so I met him um, when we started playing together around when I was thirteen, and and then we were his band for church, uh, starting probably when I was about fifteen, and um, and he, he recently passed. He, he passed last year. Um, that was a hard one, you know, and and he. Uh, but he played guitar while he preached. He basically played blues and and sang gospel over top of him, you know. And he had and it was kind of it, it wasn't really like a slide delta blues, but it was very much along those lines. A lot of some of like the really early Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf kind of kind of a vibe, mm. you know, when he played electric and um, a lot like um, uh, Pop Staples. You know that kind of a thing too. You know, yeah. from like the staple singers. Yeah. So we would do some staple singer songs and stuff like that. So he, it was just real. It was real percussive. It was, um, you know, he probably only knew about four or five chords, but that was plenty for, you know, for <laughs> what he did. And and you know, he just he taught me. It was all about it, the rhythm. I mean, when you look at guitars, people who don't play or or whatever, they feel like you know all the music is being made with the hand that's making all the chords, 
you know, but really what makes it sound like music is what you're doing with your strumming hand. That, that's what makes it feel like a song because it's, it's in the rhythm and, and the way that you strum and, and the way you hit the notes. I learned a lot of that from him. I've, I've seen people that almost use the body of the guitar like a percussive instrument. Oh, exactly. I do that all the time. Yeah. Smacking it and beating it up. And, and every one of my guitars got yeah, got nicks and stuff on them, you know. If, you, if, you're, look, if you're looking for a pristine guitar, don't buy one from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you formed the band Blues You Can Use, uh, but they split around the time that R.E.M. were making the scene, didn't they? Because they wanted to go in that direction, but you wanted to stay bluesy. Yeah, wow. Um I put the band together. I, I had been up on the East Coast, uh, up in Philadelphia, and working with uh, working in casinos and things like that. And then I came back home to Cincinnati, and I was probably about 32 at the time. And that's kind of when I figured that you know I wanted to I wanted to go ahead and do my blues thing. I mean, before then, I kind of always felt, well, I'm too young. They're not going to take me serious. Whatever. You know, you get in your own way sometimes, and. So I came back and I put the band together. And then uh, in 92, I recorded my first CD with with the band. And after about six months, right after the CD was released, the club started booking. They, they were more into like REM and U2 and things like that. And so, you know, a lot of the clubs that we were playing uh, were starting to book that kind of thing. And, and the guys in my band were like, well, man, we need to start playing that because we're going to lose our gigs. And I'm like, that's, that's not what I do, you know? And, and so they became a band and, um, it was fairly amicable. Um, they told me, I said, well, give me enough time to find another group. And, and we kind of worked together for a few weeks and, and it all worked out. You moved to Nashville or you went to Nashville for the first time and it just felt right. Didn't it? About 96. Yeah. Played at the, the, the club you're, the, that you saw me at. Uh, Bourbon Street, they were looking, uh, I was just looking to expand my, my touring region. You know, Nashville is about four hours from where I was living in Cincinnati. And uh, so I just wanted to expand and they, I did a gig down there and it was a Tuesday night and I just, Lord, we made good tips and we sold like 24 CDs and I don't even know if I sold 24 CDs at my CD release party, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the first time out. And, um, it just, I don't know. I wasn't really sure what it was, but they offered me the full-time gig. They said, you know, we're, we're thinking about changing our, our regular house band. Would you be interested? And so they made me an offer and, and it, it was close to what I was making, but I just kind of said, man, there's something going on down there. I need to do that. So I, I said, let's do it. I told my dad, I said, man, I'll probably be back in three months. <laughs> Here I am 26, 26 years later, I'm still, still there. And I mean, it's, it's really, as you saw, you know it's it's a great club. I I think I think the club fits me really well, and I fit the club really well. It just really works. This is the thing, and I have mentioned it a few times on the show that a lot of people regard Nashville as the home of country, which it is. And if you walk down Broadway, you can see a lot of country bands and artists. But if you go off the beaten track just a little bit, there's a lot more music around there, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. Everybody, I think people outside of Nashville, you know, because because country music is got so big and is prevalent here without a doubt. But we we call it Music City, not Country Music City. There's a 
there's just kind of a little bit of everything if 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 you're willing to look for it. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't want to embarrass you, but it is stated that you are one reason why the club won the Blues Foundation's Best Club of the Year in the year 2000. Yeah, well, I had a little bit to do with that. I mean, yeah. they, the guys that owned it at the time, it, it has different ownership now, but the original owners were a lot more tuned in with, with being a blues club. And that's not taking any way from, anything away from the guys now. Um, but the original guys, you know, it was told to me, hey, look, you know, you need to at least play 80% of everything you play has to be, has to be blues oriented, which I was fine with that. Cause that's what I was doing anyway. But then the, they made it a point to bring in traveling acts every Monday and Tuesday. They would bring in, um, you know, uh, some of the, they bring in guys like Bernard Allison and, and Larry McRae and some uh, Kenny Neal, um, stuff like that. And then about four or five times a year, they would bring in, um, like a, a list, you know, national artists, they, you know, we had Bobby Bland actually played there a couple of times. Uh, they brought Sun Seals in. They brought, uh, we, we backed up Rufus Thomas a few times. Uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, Shamika Copeland played there, Coco Taylor. So they would bring Little Milton. So they would bring in, they, they had their, the beer companies or whatever would help sponsor those events. And so the combination of just having a, being a solid blues club all the time, you know, with us and being built that way. And then also having, you know, special events and stuff. Um, I, I think it really helped put them on the map. And um, then the new owners came in years later and um, they wanted me there and, and we kept the vibe of the club. Uh, but they, they kind of, on some of the weekends, uh, some of the bands that they have are a little less blues and just a little more kind of, I, I don't know how to explain it. they not going that far from it, but but it's more pop music. Yeah, while you've been playing there, you have like you've mentioned a few people. You played with the likes of James Brown, Kep Moe, Stephen Stills, Gay Mouth Brown, and even John Entwistle from the Who. Yeah, they all they all got up and played with me, sat in with me. Uh, just I, it, the list is really really long, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and all kinds of music. I mean, rock, jazz, blues. It's it's uh, pretty amazing. Is there anybody still on your wish list? Uh, well, those most of those guys are dead. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, not not really in particular. Um, but you know, if somebody that I like came in, you know, they're sure more than welcome. You know, um, gosh, I can't I can't think of anybody right offhand. No. That, yeah. A couple of quotes. You've described it yourself as more comfortable on stage than in your own living room. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the older I get, probably the more comfortable I get on my own couch, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, um, it's just, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a kind of a, a thing. It's, it's, well, I, a perfect example. Um, the other night, well, the weather's been changing crazy over here. It's It's been like, you know, cold at night and then it get real warm in the daytime. So your sinuses start running. And the other day, I'm like, man, my sinuses are going to drive me crazy. And everybody's in the band like, yeah, mine too. And it was, you know, you got the sniffles and the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, it was like within 20 seconds of playing, it was like clear. You know, it, it's just that the adrenaline hit and, and it just, 
you know, cleared everything up. And then as soon as the set's over, you know, it's right back to stuffed <laughs> up nose. But but the point is, is that that it just energizes me that much, you know, that that instantly if if I'm feeling bad or or physically or emotionally or whatever, and I start playing, it's like everything's better. You know, I've been doing this. This year will be the fiftieth year that since I played my first gig for money, and so. It's like I've been doing it so long that there's a there's an amount of I don't know if you want to call it control or whatever, but you know when I get up there, that's it's it's just so familiar. Yeah, I sympathise with that because I've said myself that when I do the radio show, I can be having a bad day at work or not feeling a hundred percent. As soon as I get behind that mic, is it's therapeutic. Yeah, you're on stage. I mean, <laughs> you know. You're, you're giving of yourself, and, and uh, you know, I, I would, you know, for me it would be very hard to do what you do because, you know, when I'm doing what I do, um, I get an instant instant reaction. You know, some you know if you're doing an interview, you get a reaction back and forth from, from going back and forth. But, you know, when, when you're guiding your audience, you know, I, I look when I play a song or when I play a set, I look like I'm taking people on a journey. You know, I'm, I'm bringing them up with this type of song. I'm bringing them down with this other kind where I can roll it from one up and down. We're going in and out. And you're doing the same thing on your, on your radio broadcast. You know, you're, you're planning it so that things move and feel a different way. And, but you don't get an instant reaction the way that I do. I would think it, it would be hard for me to do what you do. I reckon you'd make a good DJ because you've got the gift of the gap. Well, I, yes, I do. <laughs> I, I probably talk too much. <laughs> and you also say that you're not a blues musician; you're a blues-based artist who does his own thing. Yeah, I and I'm proud of that. You know, it's it's gotten in the way sometimes because um, it, it's a little hard to categorize me sometimes. But you get these people that are like, "Well, man, you're not playing real blues," you know, and and you know they're they're so focused on if it ain't muddy waters, it's not the real deal, you know, kind of a, a thing. And, yeah. and, uh, it's like, we almost call them like the blues Nazis, you know, <laughs> like, but, but, um, it, you know, and, and the thing is, is that anybody today, I listen to Muddy Waters. I listen to Helen Wolf. I also listen to Carlos Santana and Sly and the Family Stone. I also listen to Merle Haggard. I also, you know, you listen to all these other people and everybody that you listened to growing up while you were playing guitar in some way or, or fashion will, you know, influence you and influence your playing. And so even if I tried to do the Muddy Waters song exactly like Muddy Waters, there's going to be some of these other influences that, that may, you know, kind of creep in there. And so, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my own way because I'm not going to be able to copy him exactly. And why should I? He already did it. Yeah. You know, and so... I'm going to do it my own way. And because I've been exposed to so many different things, my own way is going to have maybe a little more R&B feel to it or maybe a little more, you know, rockish feel to it. Um, and, you know, this all goes back to taking a little bit of what you learn from all these other people and making it sound like yourself. So, you know, I've got songs that I've written that are more of an R&B song, more of a funk song. Um, I've had some that are, you know, almost like Americana type things. So that that's what I mean when I say that. In your considerable CD collection, there's the solo acoustic concert. 
Yeah. Would you do a solo acoustic studio album? In a way, I have. Um, now, when you say so, you mean just me and the guitar? Yeah. Stripping it right back, going back to the roots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done two records that are very similar to that, but I did use like a drummer and a bass player on them. But I used all acoustic guitars. And, you know, one was a studio record I did, gosh, back in 95. And another one was one that I did for a label out of the UK um, about maybe four, four or five years ago, I guess. And I mean, I'm, I'm open to anything. I've, I'm talking to two different guys right now about, about recording a new record and, and we were looking at a, a couple of different things. Um, but yeah, I'm always open to whatever. If somebody says, Hey, you know, I just want you to go in the studio and just cut this alone. You know, I, I'd be game to do it yeah. without a doubt. Um, it's kind of not on my radar for the next record that I'm doing. Um, but I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that leads me on to... You got the... a studio over there? I can do it when I come <laughs> over. <laughs> that leads me on to the next question. What are your plans for the future? Wow. Well, I will be... Um, I'll be over there in July. Um, I'm not a, I'm not allowed to announce yet everything that I'm doing over there. Um, but I just uh, yesterday booked a few shows in uh, Waterford, Ireland. And um, we we're tagging that with some other things that we're doing. Um, and then that that's kind of in the short term, I'll be over there. That's a, that's closer than it, it feels like. And I'm sure he'll be there before, before I know it. Um, I've got, there's a, an artist over here. It's, it's kind of interesting. There was an artist over here. His name is yellow wolf. And he kind of got, he recorded a record with, with kid rock and he recorded, um, he had kind of some, I don't want to call it like hardcore rap or anything, but it was, it was kind of that vibe. And he wants to record a record on me because he's, he's producing some different artists. And I'm excited about the idea of that because I think he's going to bring a completely different edge, you know, to what I do. He's from Alabama. When the blues artists would come through and they weren't allowed to go to restaurants and stay in hotels and stuff like that, his grandmother would have them over and cook food, you know, cook for him. Like, she had Muddy Waters in the house, and, and she had just all kind of guys over there um, as they were traveling through because she was a huge music fan, and she would sneak in and see these see them play and invite them over for, for meals. And so he he came from listening to a lot of that music, and so he has a, a, a feel for it and, and a love for it. And so we're, uh, we're kind of doing some things there. And then my drummer and I, Darren, uh, we worked together on quite a few records. And so we're, we're kind of looking at maybe doing a record called, you know, two sides of a coin or something like that. And have it be almost like a, uh, when it would come out in vinyl, it would be a double, you know, a double record set where one record would be all acoustic. The other would be, uh, all electric. And, and it would definitely be pretty much of a, you could definitely call it a blues record. So that's what we're going for next. And amongst all that, you're still performing at the, uh, Bourbon street club as well. Yeah, we do. Uh, I probably do close to 300 dates a year. I'm very fortunate that I have 150 of those dates guaranteed here at home. Mm. Uh, and then we probably end up doing, um, we, we probably end up doing maybe 225 dates here in Nashville. And then I'll do 50 or 60 on the road 
uh, with my band. And then the rest of them, I, I've been doing some solo, uh, solo acoustic concerts in, in small, at small wineries and small theaters. And then when I go overseas, uh, I come by myself and I do half of the shows that way. And the other half, they'll put a band behind me. Well, I better let you go and rest because you've got so much ahead of you. And uh, I hope that the sniffles go very soon. Thank <laughs> well, they're, 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 they're about gone, man. The weather's <laughs> starting to settle in a little bit. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. And thank you for making my birthday one of the best nights I've ever had. Well, thank you, Kev. I appreciate that. And I hope that maybe possibly we can get together when, I, when I'm over there in July. That will we'll be, keep in touch. That will be wonderful. And uh, if not, I will definitely root you out when they come over to Nashville again. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And you. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.